Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, welcome back. Upper Quartile Podcast. I still want to say 1% better. That's just an old habit. Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd about seven or eight days into the free agency period here in Indianapolis. Catching you up on the moves the Colts have made, the moves the Colts have not made. As we sort of move into the second wave where the Colts have done some damage before, I have a story up this morning about why I think there's going to be less of those veteran signings in the coming days and weeks. But James, let's just jump right in. We knew this was coming. The most obvious move of all was was releasing Matt Ryan after one year. It saved $17 million. He's still going to get a nice chunk of change because of the way they structured the contract last year. But I think it's the Colts accepting what we already knew, which was this veteran quarterback route has just put them in a position where they haven't found an answer several years in a row. And it sort of opens the doors, which we figured would be open for that rookie quarterback to come in. But Initial takeaway, anything that jumped out besides that after six or seven or eight days into free agency? Yeah, obviously that didn't surprise me at all. We all knew that. Fans knew that. It was just a matter of when Why it would it happen. Take so long? Yeah, and we joked about it, but I think that in all professional leagues, when decisions have to be made, they're like the biggest procrastinators ever. They don't want to do it, so they have to do it. Maybe out of respect, I don't know, but we could have. I mean, cross this bridge as soon as the season ended, to be honest with you. But Matt Ryan still gets his money. No fans. He is not going to retire. I would never do that. Give me my money. I made it. I earned it. But the other move, which in hindsight isn't that surprising, but I was a little bit like, oh, wow, this is something that's telling about the team, is that Stefan Gilmore was traded. Yeah. Of all the veterans on this team, he was not the first or the second or the third I would expect to be shipped for a fifth round pick why do you think they did that i don't think it's necessarily them like it's all on the coats he might have and this is just me speculating i'll admit but from the outside looking in it makes a lot of sense on his side as well i'm 32 years old i proved myself in a comeback year last year i don't have as much time as i wish i had probably left in my career and so send me off to somewhere where i can compete and be on a playoff team and have another shot at making a run and you look at the moves that the Cowboys have made obviously this is in the Cowboys podcast but they have made some moves in addition to him that lets you know they're trying to win now and I think that's just something that meant a lot to him NFC is wide open I feel like it's with Philly losing some pieces and San Fran and quarterback I'll add this real quick it also clears cap space killed about nine million in cap space and again that's money you can use to retool your roster and as you address in your piece this morning it's something where you're looking long-term. You don't trade a Stephon Gilmore away if you're trying to win right now. Especially so. when he played as well as he did. 
four wins. Three of them were at the disposal of his fingertips. <laughs> Three of them were Gilmore wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, had some long talks with Gilmore in training camp. And, and one of my favorite things of this whole season, now there weren't many because it was a disaster, was just watching this guy work, right? Whether it was on games or in practice. Like he was a tactician. And it was really fun. Cornerback's one of my favorite positions to play, if not my favorite position, just to watch away from the ball. And he was terrific. And there were two things going into his mindset before this season. One, he knew what everybody was saying about him. He was over the hill. He was done. He was no longer that guy. He wanted to prove that he could be one of the best corners in football, one of the best outside corners in the game, even at his age. And I think he did that. Look, not a lot of people outside of this city watched the Colts last year for obvious reasons. He was terrific. And he, like you said, three of the four wins were because of a Gilmore play at the end. Las Vegas, Kansas City, and Denver when Russ tried to beat him over the middle in, uh, in overtime. And then secondly, he came here because he wanted to go deep in the playoffs. He told me, like, look, they signed Matt Ryan. I thought we were good to go. Jonathan Taylor's coming back. He had 1,800 yards. And that obviously didn't happen. So I understand Gilmore, if he wanted to get out, wanting to get out. I talked to him at the end of the season, and he was like, Look, man, I'm under contract. Uh, we'll see what <laughs> happens. He was playing that game. But you don't play in New England for as long as he did and make those annual runs to the Super Bowl without wanting to get back later in your career. And he knows his time is running to an end eventually. He's going to have a really good chance in Dallas, and that's going to be a fun defense to watch, especially with Dan Quinn. Diggs on the other side. That should be fun. So those were the two notable exits, to, to put it that way. They traded Stephon Gilmore. They cut Matt Ryan. And I want to get your take on this, James. They essentially made a choice at two positions. They chose to keep EJ Speed as opposed to pay Bobby Okereke. Now, the money's not the same. The players are not the same. Okereke is more proven. And then at wide receiver, they chose to keep Ashton Doolin as opposed to uh, Paris Campbell. And both of those guys are headed to New York. The money's not the same. Okereke and Campbell are a little bit more proven. Speed and Ashton are more special teams guys. This feels like a very Colts move. What was your takeaway, and was there any level of surprise on your end? Yeah, in regard to Bobby leaving, I was not surprised at all. I think that's another move that we all knew was going to happen. He played too well to pay, basically, and... Considering that you have Shaquille Leonard coming back from back surgery, you expect him to be who he once was, or at least you hope so. And considering you already paid him $100 million, you can't keep shelling out money to linebackers. Again, if you're not in win-now mode, which they aren't. So that was not a surprise. You know, a lot of teammates, I'm sure, are excited for Bobby to get paid and continue his career as a pretty good linebacker. I think he proved himself this past season for sure. And he was one of their better coverage linebackers, which is going to be an issue that they have to address going forward. Now, with EJ Speed, I think that he's a a great person to re-sign. Hard-nosed guy, great locker room guy, and he has a knack for making pretty big plays. Yeah, on both sides, right? On defense and special teams. Yeah, he gets his nose in on the ball a lot. You know, has an impact on the game. Like, there's always a play here or there where you're like, oh, wow, EJ Speed is, no pun intended, showing off his speed. Because a lot of times it is a, a quick play or a quick hit or, or setting the edge or something like that. And so those are, you know, moves that make sense. Now, Paris I was a little bit more surprised about because you think about everything he's been through with the franchise, the breakout year that he finally had, the need that you have for wide receivers you wonder, like, is this something where they're just going to address it in the draft and take a wide receiver high if you're going to, you know, draft a rookie quarterback? 
And so that's something to be saying or kind of wait to see what happens. But a little surprised that he was let go or rather that he left on his own. And then with Ashton, it makes sense, in my opinion, because this is a guy who was a second team all pro two years ago as a gunner. And even though he was injured in 2022, he showed flashes uh, wide receiver wise that were better than anything else he's done in his career. He's got that take the top off type speed. Yeah. And I think that talking to him at the end of the season, he wants more out of himself. Um, He's excited to be back here, I'm sure. And I think that when you have a chance to retain an all pro talent at any position, you do that. There's no guarantee he would have been an all pro last season had he stayed healthy the entire year. But when he was out there, he made plays. He made an impact like there was not a drop off or, you know, in his production or in his play before like that foot injury and then obviously the concussion near the end of the season. So we'll see what other moves they make offensively. That's the one thing where I'm like, okay, we're not seeing much happen here. Your thoughts on this, Zach? We haven't seen any moves in the offensive line, whether it's releasing or trading Ryan Kelly, whether it's signing a veteran right guard, whether it's signing a veteran left tackle for more, you know, competition with, you know, Bernard Ryman. We just haven't seen it. And that to me is probably a little surprising. Because no matter who your quarterback is, you got to protect them. Before we dig into that, the more I thought about the Paris Campbell situation, the more it makes sense to me. And it was a little surprising for me to come to this realization. But one, his biggest supporter is no longer in the building. That would be Frank Reich. And two, and I wrote this in a piece today, not specifically about Paris, but about the thinking with this team. They're not thinking veterans for one-year deals right now. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, they will sign guys to that situation if they need a whole field. But the reality is Paris left for, I think, $4.5 million for the Giants. This guy's been injured before, and they stuck with him, and they deserve credit, and he had a great year, and he deserves credit. But what's the payoff giving Paris a four-and-a-half-year or four-and-a-half-million-dollar deal for one year when he's not really going to be a part of the long-term plan here? if that makes sense. Like, they're, they're not going to be great next year. I think everybody's starting to realize that, mainly the Indianapolis Colts. And the reality is, if you take a, a rookie in the draft, maybe in the second round, maybe in the third round, maybe in the fifth round with that extra pick you just got from Dallas in the Gilmore deal, that guy can grow up in the system. Now, he's not going to be as good as Paris Campbell next year, but you're not close. You know, adding a Paris Campbell is not going to be the difference between just missing the playoffs and making the wild card round. So, I think there's a long-term view here that's playing in the minds of the Colts as they make these decisions. But yeah, like I wrote that they need to go after a right guard. They need to stop playing with fire at that position. They convinced themselves that Danny Pinter, who's a center, could be a right guard. That was an abomination. That was embarrassing. You nearly got Matt Ryan killed. And then Will Fries was in there, and maybe he got a little bit better as the course of the season went on. But James, how good would you feel if Will Fries is your day one starter at right guard? In September. Didn't they learn that lesson the last year? When you yeah. just think these guys are going to play better? And then secondly, Ryman. If you're going to stick with Ryman at left tackle, that's fine. You need to have a backup swing tackle. Dennis Cowley is is a free agent. You've got to fill that need. And I expect them to do that in the second or third wave. Because the draft is not necessarily where you can fill that. You need to have insurance there. At right tackle and or left tackle. A guy that can do both. And you don't have that right now. That's got to be a huge need for this team, right? Yeah, and I think you hit it on the head when you were saying you have to address it in free agency because you rolled the dice last season on inexperience and it backfired tremendously. You know, Chris Ballard said that himself. You know, he was saying at the end of the season, you know, this isn't a Ryan indictment. This is an indictment of, like, 
our decision making leading up to, you know, this season. And I'm paraphrasing, but he was saying something like, you know, there were I, I had, we had the three players that we signed to long term deals, extensions, and we thought that the other two would come up to speed beside them. That did not happen. And obviously a few of the three regressed. I just think that you have to go out there and get someone who has proven they can do it. In addition to, you know, blocking tight end, that's probably something you need. You know, if you want to, you know, get Jonathan Taylor back on track. And well, they got Mo Alley to... Cox still. Yeah, but I don't know. Now, I don't know how much he loves being a blocking <laughs> tight end. He misses his buddy Jack Doyle, who did all the work <laughs> and let him catch. I think they like their tight ends. It might be the only position that's solidified on this team. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously, we can talk about it, you know, a little bit later, but I think they're pretty satisfied with their kicker as well, who they picked up, Matt Gay, for a big contract, which everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people probably lost their minds over the, you know, most money that a kicker is signed for in free agency, whatever the case may be. I think it's a good move. You went from good with Chase McLaughlin to great with Matt Gay. And Matt Gay has been great for a number of seasons. Chase McLaughlin's had his struggles up and down. I think I would have been fine if they had retained Chase McLaughlin. That makes sense to me. He had a pretty good season for you. You know, set the record for most 50-yard field goals, 30 for 36, I believe. But Matt Ryan is in a different tier as far as kickers go. And in this league, as you know, Zach, you can be as great a team as ever, but there's going to be times where it comes down to one kick. And you got to make it. This is going to sound crazy, but I love the Matt Gay signing. I love it. And like, I don't usually say that about Colt signings. And it's been a pretty quiet phrase. I mean, maybe you can speak to this, but you saw like the last few seasons. Dude, I, I lit like I was in the press box in, in Nashville when Chris Ballard, Adam Vinatieri missed a second extra point from 20, 30 yards, whatever it was. And he just, the GM just left the press box. He was so mad. Like you fans out there, you feel it when you go when you're watching a kicker go out there and you don't know if he's going to make it. That's literally been the last four years with this franchise. They were spoiled with Vinny for so long. He was so consistent. At one point, he made every kick over like a year and a half. It was like an NFL record. And obviously, he's the NFL's all-time leading scorer, and he never missed in the clutch except for one game in 2007. But that's way back in the day. For the real ones out there, they remember that San Diego loss. But Blankenship was was a roller coaster. And the one miss that was really, really damning for him was a 33-yard kick in Buffalo in the wild card round after the 2020 season. And they should have won that game. They outplayed the Bills for most of the game. Josh Allen was electric, but you can't miss a 33-yard kick. And it wasn't bad weather either. It was sunny that day. So Yeah, and they lost by three, I believe. Yeah. And then you covered the game in Houston this year in, in the opener. They won that game. Matt Ryan, for all the, the screw-ups they had early in that game, Matt Ryan drove them down and got them an excellent field goal position in an indoor stadium to win that game in overtime. I'm not saying the season would have been different, but you got to believe your kicker's going to make that kick. And so that was the obvious move to get rid of Blankenship. Chase was good this year, but here's why I really like this move. Top five players at the position do not hit the open market ever, ever. Lamar Jackson is a huge anomaly to that. Matt Gay is a kicker. It just doesn't happen. The money doesn't worry me because he's going to make his money with those game-winning kicks down the line if the Colts put him in that position. But this has been a headache for a long time for this team. You don't get the chance to sign a really, really elite player at his position very often. you got to jump at it, I think. And for this team and that position, it's been a long time coming. And I think that's insurance that's going to make you feel better as you move into the rest of your roster, which obviously needs a lot of work. Yeah, I agree. And we could talk really briefly. Brandon Faison is reportedly, has reportedly signed with 
the Las Vegas Raiders. He's going back there. I was not expecting him to be, you know, returned just because he had a, a really bad season, to be frank. You know, they re-signed Tony Brown, special teamer. He's uh, <laughs> a character, a good locker room guy. I'll never forget, Zach, there's this video of him, like, carrying a bottle, like a glass water bottle into the locker room, and he dropped it during the season. And oh yeah, whole social media actually posted it, and the season wasn't going well, so people were killing him on social media. And so I asked him about it in the locker room. And he's like, "You know what, man? Players f up sometimes." And I was like, "I like this guy. <laughs> he just owned it, didn't care at all." That's Tony Brown. You can tell. If you ever get to a game super early and notice that one of the guys is warming up without shoes on and his bare feet in the end zone, that's Tony Brown. I've never seen a player do that. Might never see it again. But he's one of one. So, yeah, they got they got Tyquan Lewis back. They got EJ Speed, Ashton Doolin, and Tony Brown. Well, let's talk about this. I know you're probably going to hit it. I'm like, I don't know if I'm cutting you off or throwing you a lob for an assist, but quarterback. Yeah. Quarterback, Zach. Can you um, break down what this groundbreaking move means, you know, for the franchise? <laughs> yeah, this this makes so much sense. And, and I got word middle of last week that the Colts were kind of looking into Gardner Minshew. And it makes so much sense, right, with his two-year relationship with Shane Steichen. He started four games over the last two seasons when Jalen Hurts couldn't go in Philly. I put him in that Jacoby Brissett tier where he's as good as it gets in terms of a backup. Now, this is not a guy you want to build around, but if you have to turn to him in a bridge-type situation, for the money, it's probably as good as it's going to get because there's a huge difference. I've always found this so fascinating. There's Let's say there's 14 or 15 or 18 legit QB1s in this league. And then there's a pretty big gap between the next group, which are fringe starters slash really good backups. That's where I would put Gardner Minshew. But the familiarity with Steichen is very enticing. The money's really good. You're only paying him, I think it's less than $4 million. It's a one-year deal. He makes you sleep a little bit easier at night, knowing you've probably got a QB coming in the draft in April, and he's going to be behind the eight ball, right? Like, He's going to be playing catch-up in May, in June, and then training camp's going to be a whirlwind for that rookie. And this is the interesting part. Ballard said, if you get a guy that comes in and he's not ready to play, we're not going to play him. They're not going to rush this quarterback. And so much gets put on the draft and what we know ahead of time. But there's a responsibility the team has after the pick is made to put this guy in the best position to succeed. And a lot of teams don't do that. And that's why so many of these guys flame out. These guys are going to be 22, 23 years old coming into an NFL team. It's different when you're a quarterback because grown men who are fighting for their careers and their jobs and their contracts are looking to you. And some players resent the rookie who doesn't bring it, right? And so you have to straddle that line between having grown men look at you to lead the team when you may or may not be ready. So that's going to be the delicate balance the Colts have to fight in the next couple months and years as this rookie quarterback comes in. But I think Gardner Minshew's perfect. I think he's a pretty good backup, a a capable starter for a couple games. And again, this is not a situation where this team is trying to make the playoffs. Of course, they'd love to, but you've got Jacksonville and you've got Tennessee and you're going to bring in a rookie passer. And I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're in a situation where they want to take shortcuts anymore. And that was sort of the point of the story I wrote today, but Gardner Minshew makes so much sense. I, I just think it it was an easy decision. And the other one I think is interesting is is Ebicom, the 49ers pass rusher. He played opposite Nick Bosa the last couple of seasons. Doesn't have crazy numbers. Was a part of the best defense in football out in San Fran. But 
it seems like a very Colts signing. Mid-market, lock him up, and oh, by the way, defensive line, which Chris Ballard absolutely loves more than just about anything in the world. Yeah, and he's still pretty young. He's been in a good system. It's a similar system that they ran over with the 49ers with the nine wide, and they do similar things over here. And he was probably the most intriguing interview that we had, one of the most honest, quite frankly. The last question I asked him during his press conference, or Zoom press conference, rather, was why the Colts? And he's like, the money was a factor. You know, he was guaranteed a good love amount it. of money. Just be and honest. he's like, I'm trying to feed my family. I'm trying to make sure that they're okay. And he had this one line where he's he was kind of trailing off. You could tell he was like, maybe not today, but he was like, I'll tell you the whole story. Or actually, you know, he's no, he said, I won't tell you the whole story, but we went through some things. And so you could tell just the gratitude on his part. But he was also saying other factors were that the Colts are known for winning. So shout out to the Upper Quartile podcast for getting the name right, I guess. Um, and then he also said, again, the similarity between systems. And so this is a guy who I think that the Colts looked at and was like, OK, he's still young enough to help us in the future down the line. But he also gives us that depth that they're desperately looking for and they're still trying to address and so i thought it was a pretty good pickup it doesn't it wasn't like they had to pay a ton of money to get him he might be a little overpaid but at the end of the day i think that you have to give some money to get players and i think that this was a calculated move a smart one and something where you expect dio and quitty to keep coming into their own and then samson can kind of you know, fill in where or, or get in and add some extra depth and some extra production. And also, I think it knocks him out of, you know, re-signing Unique Ngakwe, who at the recording of this podcast is still a free agent. To me, who would I rather have? Probably Samson, just because of the age. And he's not necessarily a journeyman, um, so to speak. And he's probably better just on rundowns. I know that that's a thing where Unique, there's questions. Is he a three, you know, three down pass rusher? Or is he a guy, if you're a team, where you just pick him up and you hope that he can make an impact in the spots? And so we'll see. But I like that pickup. It was a smart one. And then he also added more depth with Taven Bryan as well, the defensive tackle coming over from Cleveland. He started every game last season, or I believe 16 out of the 17 last season, and had a chance to do that for the first time in his career. He'll add some interior depth with, you know, Grover and Buck. And, you know, I was asking him about playing alongside those guys. And he was like, yeah, I hope that, you know, offensive linemen shift more towards them and I'm able to get some, some free hits in. And so that's another move that makes sense. He's another guy that's, that's pretty young, you know, 27. Again, there's proven, you know, uh, production on one side and also still got some gas left in the tank, a lot of gas left in the tank on the other side. So those two moves make a lot of sense. And I believe that covers like all of their free agent moves so far. Um, now we just wait and see if there's going to be any more moves as far as, like I said, addressing the offensive line. And then also, you know, still looking at some of these contracts because Kenny Moore, he has a $0, you know, dead cap hit if he's cut or traded for next season after the season he had where he wasn't really featured in, you know, Gus Bradley's defense. And as you put in your story and he told, you know, the media, we just never saw eye to eye. And it kind of felt like that might be the end of that road for both sides. So um, we'll see with him. Ryan Kelly as well, like I said. And so there's other ways to create more cap space, um, perhaps get younger in certain positions. So um, we'll see. But I do think that maybe I've hit on this just too much myself 
Ryan Kelly wasn't the Ryan Kelly of old, the three-time Pro Bowl that he was going into last season. However, like you said, right guard is, is a position that you really do have to, I think, address. And if you get a right guard that can, you know, kind of sure some things up, that'll obviously alleviate the pressure that's been on Ryan Kelly and help the entire offensive line. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The three positions I have written down are, are swing tackle on the offensive line. You you got to sign one of those corners. Like you need cornerback help in the worst way. Like you need to sign somebody, and you need to draft somebody as well. At this point, it's it's Kenny Moore at the slot, and then you've got Isaiah Rogers on the outside, and and not a lot else. And then right guard. I always prefer going the veteran route with the offensive line because you're getting a proven commodity, not a question mark. But the flip side of that, James, is. If you sign a veteran, then you don't allow a younger player to develop and grow into that role. And sometimes these guys need the reps. And I think that's a situation and a conversation that they're battling with right now. Because if you shell out good money to an offensive lineman, Samalo from the Eagles was terrific against the run and a part of the best offensive line in football last year in Philly. Steichen knows that. Steichen called those plays knowing he had that line. And that matters. But again, you don't allow that young guy to develop, and you're not one or two pieces away from really contending. So that's sort of this, the line you have to straddle. And I think the Colts are going to the other side now, as opposed to the last couple of years when they're like, oh, if we get an elite corner, we could really get over the hump. Let's go trade, or let's go sign Stephon Gilmore and give him really $20, $20 million over two years. Or let's go sign a, you know, a trade for a 37-year-old quarterback who can just get us over the hump the way our last quarterback could not. So I think the narrative and the and the conversations have shifted. There's no short-term plays. There's no band-aids. It's, it's, it, there's going to be some lumps. There's going to be some growing pains, and that's really how they do it because they're not going to have a quarterback that's going to come in and cover up all those holes because they had that with Andrew Luck in 2012. That wasn't a very good team. Ask the coaches, ask the players. That was not a very good team. They won 11 games because the rookie was a stud, and that's going to be a different part of this rebuild, if you want to use that word, they need to go through some growing pains first. And 2022 was a lot of growing pains. And I think it was humbling. And I think that was important. I think they needed to go through that to realize you can't keep just putting these short-term plays at these important positions. So that's got to be the conversation. But again, you obviously, on the flip side, want to have as many pieces as you can around this rookie quarterback so he doesn't have to do it all himself. That's why I like paying Jonathan Taylor because he's not only a great player, but he'll make life easier for the quarterback. Michael Pittman's a different conversation, but that's going to be fascinating as we move into that over the next couple of weeks and months. And I will have a better sense of just about everything with this team next week at this time. I'll be in Arizona for the NFL owners meetings, get the chance to sit down with Shane Steichen 
Chris Ballard, and Jim Mercer. And, and I have a lot of questions. Believe me, I have a lot of questions about this past season, about their approach moving forward, and about where they're going. But to answer your question, James, maybe a little surprised that Kenny Moore and Ryan Kelly made it through that bonus deadline. No, the money isn't hugely substantial. It's, I think it was a half a million dollars for Kenny, a million bucks for Ryan. But deadlines do spur action with this league. Yeah, um, I, I don't believe think both of complete. them was, what, this past Sunday or something like Correct. that? Correct, it was yeah. Sunday. I don't think that takes them off the, the trade block if they are supposedly on it. I think the Colts would listen. But I think the other school of thinking is, look, you've got a new offensive line coach coming in who I've heard some really good things about from people with the Giants. And I think maybe there's a thought that maybe Ryan Kelly can turn it around. I don't think that's a crazy thought. He wasn't the only one who regressed last year. Quentin didn't have his best season. Braden Smith struggled. Don't talk about the other two positions because they were pretty much nightmares from the start. If you're going to take a bet on your guy, I think that's a reasonable way of thinking. Kenny Moore is the interesting one because he's at a position where they need so much help. I don't think it got to the point of animosity with Gus Bradley. You know Gus. Gus is maybe the most likable guy in the building. But it didn't seem like it was going to be a situation where Kenny Moore was back after the season. He was pretty adamant at the end that it wasn't working well. You think he's back by the time training camp starts, or do you think at some point something happens? I feel like at some point something probably will happen just because of the $0 dead cap hit. Like if you if you move yeah, him, you don't. He's an $8 million flyer for some yeah, team, for one exactly. year, and then you're out of it, yeah. And so um, he's also coming off an injury. I think he's probably 100% by now at this point. I'd expect him to be. It wasn't, you know, a major thing. He wasn't even placed on IR until, I believe, a game left in the season. Yeah, but, but he that's, didn't play that last month. Again, I wonder, like, how much of a factor is your role in the team, how much you're going to play. And I'm not saying that Kenny Moore didn't want to play. It's just that what are you trying to fight your way back for if you're just not going to be out there on the field? And so maybe it is a wiser decision to take – a longer time to make sure you're fully healthy um, before you go back out there. And also the team wasn't doing well itself. And so it makes sense for him to, you know, players will do in any sport. You'll rush back. If you got a chance to do something special, there's no point in rushing back just to potentially make it worse. If that was going to be the case. So we'll see with Kenny Moore, but I still would keep my eye locked on him just to, I think what they do with him will be very telling just because, to me, if you bring them back, does that mean you're going to look into implementing more, you know, nickelback concepts where he can be sort of himself again, like the position that helped him become a pro bowler? And I don't see that happening. I'd be surprised if that was the case. So are you asking him to be something that he hasn't been throughout his career? This like, is I, that's... what happens when you change schemes and you change <laughs> coordinators. And, yeah. And honestly, um, he's Zach, under contract. Yeah. And, and honestly, the scheme wasn't that bad. I mean, we look at it and totality and it's like oh their defense is terrible and it's like no for i would say you know eight or nine games their defense was actually like top of the league one of the top units in the league and there was that stretch there the pressure at the end of always like the dallas game like they played pretty well and then the dam just broke right and then you're going out there every three plays because the offense keeps turning the ball over and it just it just opened up and, and they will miss gilmore this year that dude shut down a lot of passes deep and he almost won a fourth game, right, with that Washington at the end. Let me throw this out at you. It would We would be remiss if we didn't at least touch on this, the Lamar Jackson conversation that just continues. I will say I'm a little surprised there's no offer sheet right now from another team towards Lamar. I feel like 
and our Jeff Zrebeck's been really good on this, the Baltimore reporter, there very much is an impasse right now between the Ravens and Lamar. The Ravens have said, we don't want to do a guaranteed contract, a fully guaranteed contract. Lamar has not said this publicly, but the assumption is that he wants a fully guaranteed contract. The owners don't want to give that up. We've been through all that. It only takes one team. I think the Colts should have the conversation. And I think they will. And I think I'll get some more info about this next week. But there's still a lot of things stacked against them in this. The money is substantial. The injury history is is a factor. This team wants to grow its own. This team wants to draft a quarterback and start over and build up from the beginning. They've done the veteran quarterback route, although not like this. But then again, players of Lamar Jackson's talent do not hit the open market. Now, it's not open. The Ravens are still very much in this. You, you run the risk of essentially setting the terms for the Ravens and doing the Ravens negotiations for them. You'd give up two first-round picks, which is substantial. But again, the Colts are thinking long-term. Has your thoughts changed on this at all over the last couple of weeks now that he hasn't really gotten as much interest as maybe initially thought? No, my thoughts haven't changed, but I do think that the way Lamar Jackson has been going about it more publicly with the tweets and stuff like that isn't helping his case. We've talked about this, you know, off the podcast, but I think when you're in his position, right, and you want to get a fully guaranteed deal, you have to present yourself as an adult. And some of those tweets, it's like, this is something you would expect a high schooler or a college player to tweet out because the fan base is unhappy or someone's saying something that isn't true. And then by you not having an agent, there isn't that middle ground. So as I listen to a lot of sports talk radio um, about this, it does feel like it's reached that personal level where maybe that probably wouldn't happen had you had an agent to kind of take the arrows in a sense where you're not hearing everything that they're telling you you're not worth. And so oh, to be negotiating absolutely should have had an agent through this process. Yeah. And I think it wouldn't when be to this point, I don't believe. Oh, no, not at all. And, and again, agents are worth it. <laughs> they're worth it. There's a reason yeah. 99% of the players have them. Again, I encourage everyone out there to read Charles Robinson's piece from Yahoo Sports about Lamar Jackson and the importance of having an agent. He talked to several agents off the record and there's just certain nuances to it like there's a quote in the story that stuck out to me and he was like yeah you just tamper one of the agents says yeah you, you go to the draft combine oh, you go everywhere and you, and you you figure out who's really interested you figure out you know what's you know you eliminate anybody that's kind of faking and then you begin to negotiate on behalf of your client that way when you go back to him it's not you know it, who's saying Lamar no can't do that like you know exactly like he's a player <laughs> and yeah. so you know, even something like in the story was saying something like, you know, you got to have people that can get on these yachts with these owners and sit down and talk to them and be in their spaces and, 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 and give them comfort. And when you're a player, it's just not possible for you to do that. And I think that, again, the way he's going about it, denying certain things, saying certain things, it just doesn't help. It doesn't make anyone feel, you know, more, at least in my mind, more inclined to give you that money. So we'll see. It's not just a big quarterback contract. Like the Colts have given out the biggest contract in NFL history twice before. They paid Peyton Manning after Bill Polian famously stormed into Jim Irsay's office and said, I don't want to pay him. We're never going to get this done. Let's trade him. Jim Irsay said, the hell with that. We're not trading Peyton Manning. Anyway, and then secondly, in 2016, they paid Andrew Luck. Six years, $140 million, at the time, the highest in NFL history. The Colts have done this before. They're no strangers to paying top dollar. 
My point being, this is completely different. This is not your guy. This is not your your draft pick. And secondly, this is supposedly a fully guaranteed deal. And I think this is an important layer in this. Jim Irsay would not just need that money on hand, right, to go straight into escrow. Jim Irsay cares deeply about league precedent. He cares deeply about how it's been done. And he cares deeply about ownership. <laughs> deeply about and league precedent. those things are very important. And he... Chuckle out. <laughs> Jeff Saturday. <laughs> league precedent. Man, oh my gosh. We're never going to get out of that one. <laughs> oh, we'll continue. about league precedent when it comes to play. Uh, no, you got me. I got, I got nothing. Um, I do think that's important to him, and I don't think he will be the first to jump at breaking that norm, at breaking that precedent, at breaking that situation where the league owners have protected themselves. Right or wrong, that's the situation. They don't answer to anybody. They don't answer to Goodell. They certainly don't answer to the players. And so I don't think Jim Mercer is going to be jumping in line to do that. However, the reality is the Colts need a quarterback. He would be an absolute shock to the system, to the city, in a good way. His dynamic play style, he would make them contenders in the AFC South, etc. Everybody out there knows that. But I think that Jim Mercer element is very important. And I think the ownership factor in this is very important because they don't want to set this precedent. They don't want to start caving to quarterbacks. And they don't know where it could go from there. And that's the scary thing. So I think, James, this might be something that drags on past the NFL draft in late April. And then at that point, it would be the following year's first two picks. Exactly. And that's where, if that were the case, I think the Colts would be out if you expected to make a move, which I don't expect them to do What anything. if they don't get a quarterback? That would be a shock in and of itself if they don't draft a quarterback in one or two. Well, more on that coming later this week for <laughs> listeners out there. Um, How about but, that, Tease? Yeah, I just think that it would be quite a shock. But also, Zach, it would show your hand, too, you know, if you're the Colts and you don't draft a quarterback. Does that box you in? I don't think Ballard likes to be boxed in. I don't think he sees himself as being boxed yeah, in. And I think you know, he would just roll with Minshew if he had to. Yeah, but I mean, that's a hard sell for this fan. Base I was gonna too. say, and a hard sell for you to keep your job. You know how desperately you talk about the fan base. Jim Irsay wants a quarterback. If you could find a way to win two games next year, then you get Caleb Williams. You can't do that. You can't plan on that. It's a bad way to live. I won't uh, address it too much because it just doesn't make much sense. I get these tweets every day, man. Zach, we know this. Everyone out there listening, please, please. It is very hard to get the number one pick in the NFL draft. Your team has to be really, really, really bad. Yeah, there's worse teams in the Colts, roster-wise. Exactly. And if you think Gardner Minshew... You're going to waste Jonathan Taylor's fourth year, prime year, Michael Pittman. I truly think this Gardner Minshew is probably worth three wins, minimally. Seriously. I'm not even joking. Like I think It's crazy get you that three he's, wins. An up, he's an immediate upgrade from every quarterback that started for the Colts last year. I don't think that's a stretch to say. Now, he's not perfect, and he's not the guy you want to build around, but he's better than Matt Ryan. He's better than Nick Foles. He's better than Sam Ellinger. Yeah, in this moment right now, absolutely. I mean, and honestly, I talked about this as well, I believe, when I was writing my story about him. He's actually a pretty good quarterback, you know, numbers-wise. He's 44 touchdowns against 15 interceptions in his career. He started you know, a good amount of times, I believe, his rookie season. Oh, I, watched, I went down to Jacksonville and watched him torch the Colts one year. He went 19 for 21. The Jaguars won one game that year, and it was that game. Yeah, so, I mean, this isn't a guy who is, you know, completely unproven or incompetent or really a gamble in my mind. Like, he's a pretty safe bet 
as far as being a backup bridge QB. And I think he might have I would have done, I would have given him a two-year deal and I would have felt really good about it. You need to have that. You need to have that in place. It's it's one less headache to deal with whatever happens with the future. Yeah, and also he's young. I believe he's 26. So there isn't the age factor in there as well. And in my opinion, he was arguably the best backup quarterback on the market outside of maybe Cooper Rush. I know Marcus Mariota was available, but you know, he might still want to be a starter, you know, in a sense. So um, I thought it was a safe bet. And he seems very self-aware now. He was very mild, I guess, and tamed in the introductory uh, Zoom conference. But, you know, he's a guy who I expect to not only play pretty well, but also be like that shot in the arm in the locker room with personality, um, joy that he brings to the game. So we'll see how that goes. But obviously a lot to be discussed and broken down. And I know for you personally, some of that has to do with these pro days you're going to be going to where you can finally get to see these guys again. And this will be another opportunity to not only see who is throwing and, and what they're doing, obviously, and other players that, at that university, but also, you know, who's showing up to see these guys, you know, is, is, is Shane Steichen going to be there for, you know, CJ Stroud's pro day. He's going to be there for Will Levis's pro day and things like that. I believe, you know, you're only going to those two, but you know, we'll, we'll get word on Alabama's pro day as well. And so, um, all these things are going to be happening, and and these are, I think, big opportunities to kind of see, or at least get a little window into where the franchise is is thinking and looking. Obviously, I expect them to be at all four of the top pro days for the rookie quarterbacks or potential rookie quarterbacks. The other being um, Anthony Richardson. So we'll see. And, and real quick, I think that in my mind, it's a two horse race. If you're going to go rookie quarterback, it's between Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. I don't expect it would be a complete shock to me, Zach, if Bryce Young or CJ Stroud is not are not the first two quarterbacks taken in the draft. If they aren't, I think the the Colts will probably be like ecstatic. But in reality, no, I don't expect um those two to be there. So in my mind, it's either the quarterback with the extreme, extreme upside, Anthony Richardson, or the older quarterback who has run a few NFL style offenses in college, has worked with NFL, you know, coordinators, has a big arm. But there's question marks about him as well. Yeah, I watched a lot of tape of Richardson last week for a story. He spoke with Florida's head coach, Billy Napier, and, and learned a little bit about what he was like behind the scenes. And then watched a lot of Will Levis tape as well. And and, and it's fascinating tape because you can, you can talk yourself into these guys very easily. But then you can watch the rest of the tape and you can say, wow, I'm not even sure if he's a first round pick because of some of these mistakes. And, and, and the problems they're able to get out of because of their arm talent, which wasn't always the case in the NFL, and, and some of the decisions that'll just get you buried. So there's such fascinating case studies. I'm with you. I would be surprised if, if Young or Stroud fall to four, if the Colts stay at four. But pro days are, are very revealing in a lot of ways. Like you mentioned, who's there? Like if Ballard is there, that's telling because he doesn't go to a lot of pro days. But there's been a couple times before where he's gone to the pro day and that's really sealed the deal for him. He was at Quentin Nelson's pro day in 2018 and he remembers watching Quentin run down the field and he could feel it. These are his words. He could feel how big and strong Quentin was and, and that's when he decided I'm going with this kid at six if he's there. And then last year he went across to Cincinnati and watched Alec Pierce w work out and, and just felt really good about Alec Pierce, the athlete that day and and really decided if we can get this guy in the second round, this is a guy we want. So We'll see who's there. If it's Shane Steichen, if it's Chris Ballard, if it's just a scout, that might be telling. Again, Stroud and, and Young are going to check all the boxes the rest of the way. I really don't think there's going to be any situation where these guys aren't in the first two picks. But we'll see. That's the fun part. And I'll be at Ohio State tomorrow. 
We'll chat with some people there. We'll talk to CJ Stroud after he works out. And then I will hop in the car and be in Kentucky on Friday to see Will Levis, who's probably a little bit more likely to go to the Colts. But again, it's dangerous to say that because we don't know how the draft's going to shake out. Talking Number to some three, co- it's available. That's I what the Cardinals that are saying. I think might have to happen, yeah. I'll talk to some coaches at Kentucky to, again to, to learn a little bit more about this kid. I've been watching some tape. So deep dive on Anthony Richardson last week. We'll have a closer look at C.J. Stroud on Wednesday and Will Levis on Friday. And then hop back on a plane and get down to Arizona to talk to Ballard and Ursay and Steichen early next week at the owners' meetings, which is always a very revealing look at this team a couple weeks into free agency and before the draft. So we'll see. But the quarterback carousel continues. We'll see what we learn this week at the Pro Days. But anything you think is on the near horizon, James? I kind of think maybe an offensive line signing – Probably a cornerback. Yeah, I would expect one one or two of those things to happen in the next week or so just because you can't draft everyone. I understand they have nine picks in the draft, but being realistic, you know, how many seventh-round picks are going to make your final 53-man roster? They have two of those. You yeah, know, Zaire Franklin disagrees. Yeah, he probably would hate me for saying that and call me a hater, but shout out to Zaire as well, you know. He's a guy who I, I just saw it on his social media. He had like his – uh his fundraiser with his mom, Shalice's Angels, I believe it's what it's called, where they had a fundraiser over the weekend for, you know, kids. And I believe it was some bowling involved. But, you know, I'm on a tangent, but Zaire, good dude, good player. And the reason why they probably felt more comfortable not, you know, re-signing Bobby Okereke. But um, getting back to the point, yeah, I would expect to see some veteran signings for those groups just because you have to pay someone. You know what I mean? You can't just keep all your cap space. You have to get to – you know, point where you're spending a little bit of it or spending some of it to address your team needs. And I understand that some of them might not fit the timeline of the future, but you have to do something to fill these holes and put something out there that is, in my opinion, geared towards helping the team take a step forward. Even if they have those players are going to be there again, long-term, you want someone out there to help you take a step forward and they have to go address that in free agency because you're not going to find all of that in the draft. I mean, Ben Banigou was a second-round pick. We haven't even talked about him. So these are things where, again, you want to go out and try to pr- get a proven commodity at certain positions. And even, you know, linebacker, they need some depth there as well, whether it's through the draft or signing a, a, a veteran, you know, a reserve linebacker, things like that. So um, we'll see. Obviously, we'll be all over it. I'll make sure that I don't go anywhere or do anything too much. I've been enjoying uh, my high school basketball excursion around the state. Um, we'll see if I can make it to the state championship game this weekend. But um, obviously my real job is is football, and I'll be all over anything the Colts do. Man, Reggie Wayne posted that video of Miami's game winner last night. I watched it live. Loved the step back three before that to tie it. And then my Hoosiers got robbed because she took at least three steps, probably four. They didn't call it, and Indiana's greatest season ever for women's hoops is over. It's just over like that before they could even reach the Sweet 16. So a bad week for the Hoosiers against the Hurricanes. Oh, man. Reggie was hilarious because you can see – I want to encourage you went out there, go to his page. I reposted it on my page because I didn't even know he had it on his page, and so I looked later. I thought it was only on his Instagram. But look at his Twitter page. Look at mine if you want to. Everyone's yelling. I was one of those people who were saying, oh, you guys are being sore losers or whatever. But no, it was an egregious travel. The ref was looking right at it, and they missed it. And you can hear Reggie Wayne in his video with the angle that he has, where you can see it clearly. He's like, oh, she traveled. 
He oh, I didn't care. see that. I didn't hear him say that. <laughs> yeah. So you can hear him in the video saying she traveled and still celebrating the win, which is just my kind of petty um, respect to Reggie Wayne. But the, at the end, very end of the video, he says, I'm going to need security to get out of here. And I was like, you're probably right. And the only reason why he I probably is Reggie's probably untouchable in this state, even, I was if, gonna he's, say this. even if he's on the hurricane The only reason side. he isn't getting killed as much as I was a few years ago when I came at IU and I had fans in my mentions forever, a moment that I definitely learned from, um, is that he's beloved here. I mean, this is a guy who helped to win the Super Bowl, one of the greatest players in franchise history. So he's going to be loved. It's just like one of those things where you might not love him that night. Like this morning... Or maybe by the end of the week, you get over it. You remember, man, Reggie was really, really good. He's our wide receiver coach here. But um, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I know it's not a basketball podcast, but that was hilarious content because, as you know, Zach, like Reggie's got that big personality, and, he, and he's going to talk, and he's going to talk smack. And even now as a coach, he still talks like he's going to lace him up, which is always fun. He's the best. He's great. Glad he's coming back. I think it's good for the Colts, the Colts as well and those young receivers. But, again, and, and just to kind of pivot, like they – they got $20 million, 21 or so right now in free agency in, in cap room. You, you're going to probably extend Jonathan Taylor later in the summer. And, and I think you're going to have some conversations about whether you do it with Michael Pittman. Now, Pittman's going to be a bigger number, I would expect. But that's going to be a fascinating conversation because he's played with a billion different quarterbacks and he's produced and he's a good player. Is he a one? Is he a one A? Is he a two? That's going to be the dicey conversation between Pittman's representation and the Colts. But again, He's one of yours, and he's been a great player, and he's played through a lot of different situations, and he deserves credit for that. So we'll see what the Colts do. I'll be in Columbus tomorrow. I'll be in Lexington on Friday. James, you have another story coming. We will have a lot of Colts content over the next seven or eight days as we get a better picture of where this team is at two or three weeks into free agency. And then the calendar flips to April, and that's the month of the draft, and we will have a lot more. Dane Brugler's Beast will be out in early April. That's a must-read especially when you're picking a quarterback at the top of the draft. But it's going to be a fun next five or six weeks. And then hopefully, hopefully, April 27th, we get an answer that night from the Colts about what they're going to do at quarterback. But we'll see. Thanks for listening. As always, a ton of Colts stuff coming on The Athletic the next couple of days. I will be in Columbus, Lexington, and Arizona. James will be manning the fort from Indy. But for Zach Kiefer, this is, I just wanted to say 1% better again. <laughs> this is Upper, upper quartile. quartile. Yes. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you guys next week.